0: Hey guys, Mike Zillinger here, President, GM, Head Coach, Captain, and Champion of Team White. You are listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast. Hello, friends, this is Big Kenny of Big and Rich, and you're
1: listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast. Hey, this is Dallas Smith, and you're listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast.
2: The people ask you if you want to go do something in life, to say, why wouldn't a guy?
1: Or, why wouldn't a girl? Play. We got an incident here. Dob and Broxel chirping at each other. Now they're swinging their sticks at each other. They might go here. It could be the first ever Monday Nooner fight.
2: I knew they were going to be a bit of a wagon.
3: Well, hello and
4: a big welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to twirl number 11. That's right, of the Monday Nooner podcast broadcasting tonight. Again, from North Regina at Shink's Place. Brought to you by Healthy Eyes Optometry, Dr. Sean Fleming. Spooner and Cathedral Electric, of course, that's Dave Spooner. Joel Trapp of Realty One. Great Western. We're going to talk about an awesome new product from them in just a moment. We're trying right now. 22 Fresh. Remember the promo code? Monday Nooner, 15% off all orders when you use that promo code. Gentle Procedure Saskatchewan and the No Needle Vasectomy. Last Mountain Distillery. Dave Price of Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon and Area. Willie's Roadhouse in Bethune. Of course, stop by for a beverage and maybe grab a limo for your next trip out gallivanting. Harvard Media, when it comes to your online presence of your business, Harvard Media can hook you up no matter what you need. And of course, Freeze Tom and Lumber, sponsor of the Senior Soiree, whatever project you have. They're more than just a lumber yard. Make sure you check out Freeze Tom and Lumber. How you doing this week, gentlemen? Happy to be back.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh it's nice. It's been a hot week. Um we're recording this and it's what about thirty degrees? Uh beautiful night out here. Pods always recorded on Treaty Four Land. Shout out to the Treaty Four everybody there. Uh, yeah, things are things are rolling and we're into twirl eleven. Hard to believe.
5: Super hard to believe. Another thing we got to address this screen room. This is legit. This is <laughs> like le- it's cozy.
1: Yeah, especially when that breeze starts going through. The sun's kind of going uh, going west. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice right now.
4: Big episode coming up. I think like as far as our interviews we got coming up, these two might be up there as far as what people think of them. And two two awesome guests. Two really good storytellers.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Brian Burke, I guess, uh, interviewing him was, uh, I don't want to say it was an honor, but it, it it was, it was something special. And, uh, he was everything that you thought, you know, he wasn't, uh, uh, he wasn't going to coddle you with the questions or anything. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was solid. And then of course, Shane Belter. Well, that's a treat.
5: Oh, the Nick Anderson killer. The guy, Belcher's a beauty, but like even just his stories, mm. like Belcher's the only guy I know whose neighbor has literally built a fence down his driveway because she hates him so much. Like,
1: <laughs> and then he backed into it. And like, then his, legit the next day, he backed into it and she like lost her shit. Yeah,
5: wife doesn't realize that the uh, that the fence has been put up, comes out of the driveway, huh. takes a hard left turn. Did he tell that story shrapnel. in the interview?
1: No, he, he didn't. But how, how about the last episode? And uh, Nick Schultz, Uh, from Strasbourg, uh just a gem of a dude pulled and then mike reach who a lot of people uh were a little hesitant maybe (laughs) um but the numbers on the listens for that all the episodes just keep climbing but out of the gate that episode number was crazy
4: yeah it was really popular and i think a lot of people did tune in to hear what reach had to say he's such a polarizing figure on the on the ice good guy we had such a good visit with him i was thinking after we should have just like had the mics rolling because there's lots of stories he told that actually weren't on the podcast they were after after a few whiskeys but
1: uh and my wife uh legit um
4: why wouldn't a wife Listening. Watched
1: watched you guys leave f- through the ring at one twenty in the morning and your driving service picked you up from my house and she thought that I went with you and I wasn't home and then there was possibly police involved and I'm like, Whoa. Well then she was, might-
5: <laughs> then she was mad because she seen Reacher's blue jeans and thought they were hers.
1: <laughs> Just- <laughs> No, that was it. Was a great episode uh, all around. Really, really good. Looking forward to this one coming up in twirl eleven. Like we mentioned, Brian Burke interview with him. Resume speaks for himself. Senior soiree for Freeze Tallman Lumber. It is Shane Belter. You won't know who he is. Possibly, unless
4: you're related he, to him from he, Swift.
1: He likes to think that everyone knows who, he but you're not going to know. He, but the the guy's actually had a pretty good career, especially when it back to the WHL and then his senior hockey stories. And he can just tell stories. He's just, he's a fantastic storyteller. Boz on the Pigeon Parlay. An interesting hockey draft story is going to come up. We're going to talk um, a little bit about the bubble and what some of the uh, the NHL and what a couple of the other leagues are going to do. Big hoops guy. Big hoops guy and spring hockey, the craziest spring hockey, like minor kids hockey story that you're actually, you don't even have kids, boss, and you were shaking your head at it.
4: Well, I just, uh, yeah.
1: So that's all coming up we'll for Joel Trap that. Realty and Realty One. We're going to be back at the hut. That's probably, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks here. Beautiful place. Joel Trap Realty needing anything to do with Realty. Look them up. Joel Trap, Trap with two P's. We introduced Dracar Noir last week to Boz. He had no idea. I've been wearing it all week. CK1's well, on the shelf. He I mean, went to Noir. Mean, he's
5: going for a perfect week, so the
1: Dracar Noir must work. Like, it's never been done. He is buzzing to get going tonight somewhere. He's got Big a slow s- pitch game. S- slow pitch wind up. And some senior men's baseball. The Regina Trappers take on the Regina Capitals. We're going to kind of recap that that's all coming up in twirl 11 for joel trap realty hey
2: why wouldn't a
3: guy
4: so nhl hockey is now back this is tuesday recording for a wednesday release but exhibition games start tonight in about an hour or two edmonton and calgary are going to play there was a game this afternoon and i was i'm working from home so i'm like i'm going to throw the hockey game on the tube while i while i do my emails and stuff it wasn't on tv which i i had a bit of an issue with i guess i'm just like okay we haven't had hockey for four months i went through the sports that channels they were showing world series of poker from 2014 last night's blue jays game and some like mlb best of show i'm like just throw it on there could have some action going on the flyers and penguins or whoever was playing it's
1: it's pretty cool though what what's going to happen and and if you've seen the bubbles and the team's are now into their hotels and the, you know, the ping pong tables, the golf simulators and all that. They got the the pictures of their family when some of the guys, when they walked into their rooms and the pictures of the logos, probably a lot like when the Craig Warriors would stay overnight in Melfort on that WHL uh, Wheatland Hockey League swing. That's exactly probably what the uh, Melfort uh, hotel did, but you know, it's pretty cool what's going on there. And it's just, it baffles me that we can really legit gamble on hockey in a few days.
5: Yeah, classy move by the NHL or the teams or whoever it was to decide to throw the uh, the family pictures in the rooms because I don't think that they can see family. It's either till the conference final or the cup final. I don't remember, but that's a long time to go. I don't have kids, but so not able to see your family is
4: Let me let me ask this. If you're a young guy in the NHL uh, Tyler Sagan or somebody, you're out on the road, you probably meet up with some gals on Tinder or something, if you're a single guy. So are these guys just going to go cold turkey for, for two months? Oh, either a- that or they break out Lubradina, Vaseline, or Kerry, I don't know. Take your pick.
5: It's a hard... Like, honest, uh,
4: that's an honest question. Are they going to be able to contain themselves? I don't
1: think we have to look any further. Hockey players are cut from a different cloth. They're better guys, obviously. But they're still hockey players, and we've all been hockey players and all hockey players. But what about the the NBA guy? Like, how, how long did that last? A couple that. of days. Well, they brought it up even
5: before they're in the bubble. How are we going to have sex? Get serious, guys. And then
1: he goes. Uh, what was his? What's his name? Lou
4: Williams. He played for the Raptors. Lou, now he plays for the.
1: Sorry, not a big NBA guy. Clippers. Lou Williams. Clippers. No. Yeah. With Kawhi leaves not. the bubble to go get quote. T- Chicken wings. Allegedly,
5: he was going to a funeral and then stopped for chicken wings.
1: Yeah, yes. Stop for some chicken wings at a strip club. Uh, Usually,
5: it's a steak sandwich or something like that.
1: Seven Eleven chicken wings, borderline strip club chicken wings. Like, that's your go to for chicken and, wings. And the
5: fact is that he was, he tried, the guy that took the picture tried saying it was an older picture, but in the picture, he <laughs> was wearing the mask issued by the NBA. Maybe it was a buy one, get one at the. There was strip no pre COVID mask. <laughs> unless you're at some dingy old peeler bar he like said, Fort Kent, Alberta. I
1: think he said, too, in another story, like, they are the best chicken wings. On the planet.
4: Oh, 7-Eleven's <laughs> got to be up there, no?
1: I guess, no, true. So on. Back to the NHL, guys. Yeah, it's just, I hope it, I really hope it works out. And there, might, there probably is going to be somebody test positive for it. Just because you test positive for it, that doesn't mean you're, you know, you start picking out caskets. But it's...
4: Yeah, well, you just hope NHL and the hub, that's a lot safer than what MLB's doing. What a disaster they have. Like, they have four games canceled today. Guys on the Marlins allegedly, their captain and their manager knew guys were playing with COVID, and now they're like they're not playing for a week. And the teams they played are the teams that were in contact with the dressing rooms. Like, yeah, it's just a
1: the, the Major League Baseball thing is is going to be they're in they're in one and the New England Patriots because obviously a, bit of a the, wag on yeah <laughs> bit of a wag on the NFL is watching this with you know massive curiosity and taking notes hightower chung and like five patriots have said we're out we're not playing this year so that's just going to be obviously a snowball there's going to be other teams and other guys bailing on it but it's going to be real interesting in your nfl and major league baseball futures (laughs) keep an eye
4: and we talked to Berkey about this coming up in just a few minutes and he like was like
1: you know, kudos talk to the to NHL. The, you talk like you know
4: him, Berkey. But, no, I actually. So, Does side he call story him at home. <laughs> I, I saw somebody post online. I think it was to us actually that interviewed him and said, "Do not call him Mister Burke or Brian. He goes by Berkey. He doesn't like if you call him anything else." True story. So allegedly,
1: we we're we're gonna actually, and this is we're gonna take next week off because everyone's gonna be watching hockey and we have some stuff going on. So it's just a real. Uh, it's a real interesting time, and sit back and watch the NHL, and and for everybody to take it in, and yeah, we're gonna a, see where where it goes, and let's cross our fingers that they, they get all this in.
4: It is a gambler's paradise the next couple of weeks for sure. Are
1: right, you up in that Saskatoon area looking for somebody to help you out in the housing market? Because the housing market's really buzzing right now, fellas. I guess June and July, big months. Dave Price. Century 21 Fusion. He's got a lot of kids playing hockey. He's got to support them. So he's out there hustling. He's going to help you out. Home, acreage, land, condo, whatever you got. Dave Price, Century 21 Fusion can hook you up. Look him up on all the socials. Dave Price, another big sponsor of the program.
4: Hey, guys, how about these new cocktails from Original 16? So people are
1: probably going to think because they're a sponsor of the program and the friends and all that. That we have to say great things about them. Everyone has a choice with their beer and all that. We get it. If you don't want to buy from the guys that are locally, all the local guys, that's fine. But so they've, O16 and Great Western Brewing, they're coming out with this hard seltzer. So it's vodka based. Kinner, you've been kind of big on the uh, ingredients. Give it to us.
5: Yeah, I've been told by people that know me that I like a cocktail or seven, but for all those fitness freaks out there, they're only 100 calories and only one gram of sugar, so it'll still help push the pedal down, especially if you toss in an ounce or two or three of Last Mountain
4: Vodka. Peach ones are so good. So I'm going to just read a little bit off of uh, what they sent us. It's the new Original 16 Hard Seltzer, the official drink of the summer, only 100 calories One gram of sugar. That's per 355 mil can. They're awesome. They've got two brands to kick it off. Peach and lemonade or lemon. What do you guys think? Chakai, Chikai,
1: Chikai, chakai. chakai, chakai. What I thought were these were like beer or malt based. No. No, no. These are vodka. So it's the ingredients. Carbonated water, vodka, cane sugar, natural flavor, citric acid.
4: I could get absolutely banged up on these.
1: These are... it's. I'm not saying it because...
4: Why wouldn't a seltzer heavy?
1: My wife is going to love these too. Yeah. Guaranteed.
5: Which one's your favorite of the two? I'm a lemon guy.
1: Yeah, like I'm gonna, general, I gotta go peach. I... Get, <laughs> a little
5: iced tea, a little
1: vodka. I I am right down the pipe on these, because I really mm. like the peach, and then I started drinking this lemon one, Sastoon... Lemon Sastoonberry. Ooh, right down There's the pipe. There's a Sastoon plug. Drink. Yeah, have a shot. <laughs>
4: Really good, though. Make sure you check them out. They'll be in stores uh, really, really soon. We got a quick sample. They are the Hard Seltzers made by Great Western Brewing and Original 16.
1: Let's go into your pigeon parlay. This is going to be real interesting.
4: Okay, so I want to set the table here. Last night... Our buddy, Kellen Enslev, sent out a group text. He was having a draft for the NHL playoffs. Yeah, buddy. Loose. Loose term on the buddy. Just joking. Anyway, I was busy. Suck a diz. I had golf to play, and I forgot about that. Schedule conflicted, so I wasn't going to make it. You guys were both there. How did it go? How was the draft? Do we have a sponsor of this? We do. I was going to get to that after.
1: I showed up ready to draft players, didn't have the papers, little underprepared. Kellen (laughs) actually had all that, which was really nice. Then Kinner shows up. But he's picking another guy's team. I just showed up for
5: for morale. I just want to visit with the boys.
1: Yeah, which is really nice. So you pick another guy's team, which is cool. Some guy named Doug. We go through the whole draft. There is how many guys was there?
4: 10 or
5: 11.
1: 11. We, 11 guys, 12 players.
5: we got to give Diz credit, though, because that was an efficient draft.
1: It was a little too tight for me. I like when guys socialize a bit. Yeah, you were done under an like, hour. The draft or... was
4: done in under an hour. 11 rounds. Well, you guys started at 7.30. I texted you guys at 8.30. I was like, hey, you guys still there? I'm going to stop by for a beer after my golf game. And if you he, guys were done already.
1: All you female listeners out there, if you've gone on a date with Kellen, he's probably really, you know, boom, boom, like an accountant. Scheduled. To the point, let's go, and yet yeah, we get done. Um... <laughs> But that's in how it Eat was. Up. We were in and out. We'll take it to go. Per se. And then boss shows up. Why wouldn't get it After golf, we've picked our 12 players.
4: And I asked if I could get involved with the draft at 50% of the buy-in and take the replacements, the leftover guys.
1: And we knew we would convince you, because you like to gamble, to just take the rest, everybody <laughs> yeah. that was left. Because... What were the teams like Montreal wasn't touched? Mini Minnesota wasn't touched. Columbus, Nashville was barely touched. Islanders. And so Islanders. So there was 11 of you,
4: 10 guys or 11 guys per team. So there was over 100 players taken. And then I took the scraps after the first over 100 players.
1: But you were excited about your first who you pick. took.
4: So what I did is I went through the sheets. There was like one guy from Nashville gone, two guys. Yossi and Forsberg. Nobody from the Islanders actually. Barzell was gone. Nobody else. So I just said I'm going to take like five Islanders, five Preds. Let's hope those two wagons,
2: bit of a wagon,
4: buzz right to the finals. I'll come in late. Put in my. I put in the whole fifty bucks, like a true degenerate. Which I team did you take to win it? I took Nashville. Yeah, I I like their matchup against the, the tire fire. That is the Coyotes.
1: Don't think they're a playoff team. Fuck, I love the Coyotes; they're so fast. Yeah, but it's going to be real interesting. But good on you for putting in your your fifty. And I think you have just to, because what were they talking about last year? Only two St. Louis Blues were taken in the whole draft. St. Louis wins it. So it is and it this year it's even more of a crapshoot. Despite what Mister Burke says, yeah. it's a, it's a total crapshoot.
4: So what I want to do, what I'm going to do, is put an extra fifty. Maybe. We'll see how the funds are. 50 on Nashville to win the Cup. 50 on Islanders to win the Cup. Futures, like, going into yeah. this. You know, so that's my Pigeon Parlay of the Week. Hammer the teams that I got stuck with in the draft. Islanders and Predators. That's your Pigeon Parlay of the Week. Brought to you by Western Pizza on South Albert and all their locations. Really big sponsor of the program. They've hooked us up a number of times with pizza and dry ribs and souvlaki and stuff like pizza. that. quality pizza.
1: You know, quality how many humans. people in Regina or in Saskatoon... Another plug when I go home that want me to bring Western pizza up there. Cause it's really hard to find that Greek, that awesome Greek style pizza that we have here.
4: So, and I just want to throw this in because I just gotta. One more pick. This is golf WGC St. Jude this weekend. 60 to 1, Matthew Wolf, 45 to 1. Billy Horschel. Throw a couple units on those guys as well. There you go. Gotta get the golf in.
1: Time for the interview, and the interview brought to you by Healthy Eyes Optometry. In Regina, Rochdale and Harbour Landing, Dr. Sean Fleming, he's your guy. Hooking you up with the eye exams since 2006. Yeah, no, it would be later than that. But anyway, if you're getting your eyes checked or before school here, right, your kids need their eyes checked, take them to Sean Fleming, Healthy Eyes Optometry. He's got a shop in Harbour Landing and on Rochdale. He's going to hook you up. So interview time special one. We've had quite a few special ones. This guy really needs no introduction. I didn't write a ton down. He's got you know his college hockey he he doesn't start you're going to hear it all he doesn't start playing hockey till a late age to college hockey to one year pro to law school which he didn't even really want to go to to nhl agent to working for the nhl to gm to uh, it just and then the olympics everything it's just now he's uh, an awesome analyst too and and he's so good on tv everybody if you don't know who he is and you're listening to this podcast, Shut it it's must be in a different language of some sort. I have no idea. But here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Burke,
0: or as... Boz calls him. Berkey. Uncle, Uncle Berkey. To move this team takes one phone call. 25 cents in a payphone to move this team. As far as Scotty getting fined for pushing a reporter, I'm going to send Scotty a check. I support Scotty fully. We pick up the newspaper and read some garbage story that should be at the bottom of a bird cage or wrapping a fish or on a puppy's, you know, the corner of a, a kitchen for a puppy to use. And it's something about our hockey team. that's untrue or unfair. Sedin so is not English for punch me or headlock me in a scrum. I guess first, uh, Brian, let's
1: let's talk about the book. It's uh, it's coming out in October. Um, what? How did that come about? Was it your idea? Was it uh, Brunt's idea? Uh, how, how did the book come about?
0: Well, first, thanks for having me on. Um, the book. Stephen Brunt first proposed doing a book together after we won the cup in 07 in Anaheim. And I said, I wasn't interested at that point in time. And then, uh, became more interested. The last, uh, my last little bit in Calgary, they weren't involving me as much as they had so I had some free time. So I started, I did an outline and then started writing some stories down and then, uh, hired Stephen to write the book because he's a much better writer than I am. And so, uh, that's how it started
1: let's uh let's sell uh the stake here uh for people that are going to pick it up come october what are people going to to read in this book and maybe i guess drop drop an old uh, radio couple teases on what people are going to find in this book
0: well i started in a business representing players back in 1981 82 and so it goes back you know it's close to 40-year career. Um, so I talk about the agent side of the business when I represented players or when I represented Brett Hall. Uh, and then I moved on to assistant GM in Vancouver. I tell stories about Pat and being a, a young assistant GM and living in Vancouver. And then from there to Hartford and then the NHL and back to Vancouver. So it, it's stories about how things worked at the league when I was there, how I did supplementary discipline. Uh, it's stories about incidents that happened with my team. So Steve Moore uh, Todd Bertuzzi, uh, McSorley-Breshear. So there's, a, I think there's a lot in there that will interest people mm-hmm. um, about the whole spectrum of, of the different places I've worked.
1: Yeah, it's it's so funny because those are a couple of stories I want to touch on here in a bit. You said you represented Hull. Um, you were obviously cutting your teeth uh, in the biz. How is that?
0: Well, I, I like the agent business. I think the agents do a really important thing for their players. And I, and. As it will make clear, I was really hard on my players. I was hard on the financial side that they had to save money. I was hard on how they played. Uh, it, it wasn't when they came out after a bad game. It wasn't like I would hug them. I was like, "What the hell's the matter with you?" <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think I was much harder on my players. I think people find that interesting. Um, but again, it's it, it's a, a full spectrum. And you know, what's it like working at the NHL? What's it mm-hmm. like doing supplementary discipline? What's it like working with Gary Bettman and Bill Daly? So I think there's things that people will find interesting from each part. Uh, each phase of my career, but uh, and, I, and I go into some detail. I tell some stories that people aren't gonna like.
1: What makes Brian Burke tick? I guess obviously hockey. Hockey is a huge part. Word on the street, uh, one Clint McConaughey, who worked for you for a bit uh, from Regina here, he, he says you like to hunt. Uh, what what makes you tick? Maybe away from hockey, or you uh, you know besides hunting, are you music guy? Do you like to read?
0: I love to hunt. I love to fish. I love to read. Uh, I spend as much time as I can with my kids. I, I read almost non-stop. I don't go anywhere without a book. I'm usually reading two books at one time. I leave one in the house and one in my car. I do a lot of charity work, and um, that interests me.
4: Now, what we kind of do on the podcast is we like to go way back to when guys were, were starting out, not only pro career, but minor hockey as well. And I think I kind of know the answer to this, but what kind of player were you? And most kids nowadays start at like three or four years old. Wasn't this the story with you, was it?
0: No, I started at 13. we moved to, we moved to Minnesota when I was 12 and I started playing that next winter. And, um, so it was a a real steep hill to climb. And so I had, I came up with my four rules. If I was going to make it, I I had to have four rules that I went by. Number one was I was a coach's dream. I did everything the coach asked me to do. I was never out of position, didn't take dumb penalties. So number one, be indispensable to your coach. And, um, so that I was the guy that went out there at the last minute of every period and, and so, you know, primary penalty killer and so on. So number two was be an indispensable, be an indispensable teammate. Mm-hmm. Like, fit, fit in on every team that you're on. Be a valuable teammate. You know, ask the so guys down, just, you know, say to him, what's up? What's, you know, what's, you seem trouble? What's the matter? Number three was that I would be the hardest worker, practice any games, always, never get outworked. And number four was I was going to play hard. I was going to play tough. That carries a premium no matter where you play.
4: So, you were 13 when you started. Like, had you skated as a ki- younger kid, or was it just like put the skates on at 13, let's go?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I played on, we lived in Boston before we moved to Minnesota, and I played on a pond maybe five times.
3: Mm-hmm. But
0: I took it up when I went to Minnesota. We, when we moved there, there was actually a blizzard, and our, our moving van got stuck between Boston and Minnesota. So, we were stuck at a hotel, at Howard Johnson's, for three days. <laughs> And uh, the Minnesota State High School tournament was on, and all the games were televised, and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with it watching high school hockey first.
1: That That is unreal. So in, in Boston, obviously, the Northeast, huge, huge hockey uh, country. What did you do as a kid if you weren't maybe so much into hockey Were you into other sports?
0: Yeah, I played football right through high school. Mm-hmm. I actually got recruited to play college football by Dartmouth. It was a very... Very uh, feeble attempt. They asked me about it, and I said I don't think so. But I I wasn't big, so when I I, my first weigh in at Providence College, it was the same height I am now, which is six two, and I weighed one hundred and seventy six pounds. I was skinny as a rail. So, uh, (laughs) but I played football through high school. I played baseball up through grade ten. Took up rugby when I was in law school. So I I played all sports you could play.
1: Were you always good in school, Brian? Uh, Were you you know balanced like you know you were just always uh, I guess a scholar.
0: Yeah, that, that was not that was not negotiable in my house. Uh, my parents were educated people, and they insisted on. Um, one thing that people find interesting is we had to bring a One kid had to bring a vocabulary word to the table every night and, and spell it and use it in a sentence and explain the meaning. And then we, we read as a family. After, after supper, we'd, we'd sit in the living room and read books for an hour. We had a reading hour every night. And it wasn't homework. You couldn't do homework. It was reading library books. So all 10 kids were were educated. Uh, All 10 kids are prodigious readers. And uh, same thing, all my kids could read and write before they got to kindergarten.
4: So how old were you when you brought truculence to the kitchen table?
0: Uh, I don't remember that one.
1: (laughs) Uh, Providence College, I guess, was that the only option? Was that the option you wanted?
0: Well, I played one year of high school hockey. And if our high school hadn't split, I wouldn't have even made the high school team for one year. Wow. So my senior year, Edina, I went to Edina High School, the same same school Anders Lee went to, mm-hmm. and um, it split into Edina West and Edina East. That's the only reason I was able to make the hockey team, and I played just the one year at Edina West. I was recruited by Dartmouth, Yale, and Providence, and uh, after my recruiting trip, I decided I wanted to go to Providence. But I walked on as a freshman. I didn't get any money my first year. Wow.
4: Now everybody knows the law school thing, and we're going to go there. But you did have a. A short stint, one year in the minors. I think you maybe won a, a Calder Cup there. Talk about your year playing uh, playing pro for the Maine Mariners, and what was it like to play with Callender and Paddock, two guys we know well here in Regina?
0: Well, it was it was a magical year because we did win the Calder Cup, and uh, I had a very small role in that, I, I assure you, but those two didn't. <laughs> Drew Callender had 40 goals for us that year. He was outstanding and a great teammate, really a good guy, but he scored 40 goals that year. He was an outstanding best right winger in the American League, and John Paddock was chipped uh, in goals, but a big league, tough guy. You know, was, um, When John would grab a guy in a fight, the whole crest of the guy's jersey would disappear in John's big hands. And, <laughs> so they were they were excellent teammates and really good hockey player. And that's, that's when, the, you know, when the I started seeing the, the light go on for me to, to head back was just there. They had Tommy Gorrance, Drew Callender, John Paddock. Three right wings who were all way better than I was. And I'm like, you know what? Those four rules got you pretty far, but they're not going to get you here. Everyone works hard, everyone's tough, and they're all better than you.
1: <laughs> there, there's a story that goes around. I think the Brand Center of, of Paddock at one point challenging the whole bench. Um, I think, and, and I think they said it was with Maine. Um, do you remember anything about that?
0: Yeah, we were playing in we were playing in Halifax, and we had a, and we had a bench clearing brawl, and it was in the semifinals. I mean, we had a bench clearing brawl in the Calder Cup semifinals, and, and Tutal challenged their entire bench, and no one would even look at him. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you a John Paddock story. So I played seven games in Springfield when I was in my last year of university, and John and I think Tutal was trying to get to 200 penalty minutes. So Dave Hansen from the Hansen brothers yeah. was playing for Providence. And so tall said, "Do you know it's Dave Hansen?" I go, "Yep." And he says, "Is he tough?" I said, "Yep." He says, he's not. he's not going to sucker me if I challenge him." Is he? And I said, "No." Nope. And he went at Dave Hansen and Dave Hansen got his gloves off first and and drilled him. And he's he's across the ice in the penalty box yelling at me, <laughs> "You son of a you know. And so uh yeah, so that was my my first exposure. And then Tuttle came back to the bench. He was like, "What the hell's the matter with you?" I said, "I've never seen that before."
1: Yeah, you gave him the pre-scout that you knew, right?
0: Yeah. Yep, that, yep. That,
1: sometimes that happens, right? No, he's a lefty. He starts righty. It's the it's worst. Yeah. What about calendar? What kind of, uh, any, any good stories you, you go back there? And obviously he, he is a legend around town. Um, he is a, he's a guy when you first, when you first meet him, you're not sure if he's going to rip your head off or what's going to go on, but it was just a fantastic guy. Actually my son and his grandson play, uh, play together. Any good uh, stories for, from Drew?
0: Yeah, we, we played the Russians, which was quite a thing back then. The Russian teams didn't tour very much back then, so this was quite a thing that uh, they came in and, and we played the Russians, and we beat them one nothing. And I think the goaltender was Michigan that went on and was their Olympic goalie for mm-hmm. a few years, but uh, we we called Drew Joe. So we had a guy on our team named Guy Delpart, and French was his primary language. He couldn't say <laughs> Drew. <laughs> So we started calling him Joe. So everyone calls Drew Joe. Everyone calls Too tall, too tall. John Paddock. If, if, if you asked someone about, if you said John to John Paddock back in the day, he probably wouldn't even turn. it's just like me. Everyone calls him Perky. But uh, Joe scored the only goal against the Russians, and, and and Drew could fight. But Bob McCann was our coach. He said, don't fight. You're going to get 35, 40 goals in this league. Stay on the ice. And we had a really tough team. So he didn't have to fight much. But when he did, he was good at it.
4: That must be a, an awesome memory, that one year, win the trophy. Then, as as the story goes, then you go into Harvard. I guess talk about after you won the Calder Cup, was the plan always okay one year and out, or were you looking for...
0: Well, I, I signed a one plus one when I signed with the Flyers. So I had a one year plus an option. So I had a second year on my contract. I could have gone back and played, and that's what I was thinking of doing. And then I started thinking about it. I went down and met with Harvard and asked for another year off. And the lady, the dean of admissions said, look, you don't get into Harvard and then say no. And she said, and I've looked at your file, you should come. In other words, if you reapply, you're probably not getting in again. Hmm. So that's when I, I talked to Mr. Allen, Keith, the late, great Mr. Allen, Keith Allen was the GM of the Flyers. And he said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, that's a pretty big ship to, to let you for you to let it go by. And I don't I don't think you're ever going to play in the NHL. If you were my son, I'd tell you the same thing. Go back to school.
1: After Harvard, uh, you become a player agent. Um that was that was always, I guess, the goal. Was that the end goal? Is is to just be an agent?
0: No, I'm not. When I speak at business schools and law schools, I, I always apologize to the kids that I'm speaking to because I never planned anything in my whole life. I just I just worked as hard as I could and just waited for doors to open for me. So I didn't want to go to law school. And Lou Amorello made me take the LSAT, the law school admissions test. I was walking to practice one day and I went into his office. His secretary said, coach wants to see you." Mm-hmm. So I go in and sit down and he slides this piece of paper across the table. It was desk And he says, um, you're writing this exam. If you do well on it, your professors tell me you could get into Harvard or Yale. So I look at it. it's law school admissions test. I shoved it back. I said, I, I'm not, I have no interest in going to law school. And Lou shoved it back at me. He said, you don't understand. And he said, that was not a request. You're taking the exam. So I said, coach, uh, coach, I, I don't want to go to law school. I have no interest. So, I took it, blew it away, like 98th percentile in the world that year. And next thing you know, I get into Harvard and Georgetown, but it was all because of Lou. I hadn't, I I never planned. And when I got out, I didn't, I remember I did an interview when I was in law school, and and the the radio guy from Maine asked me, you know, maybe it'll be like Bob Wolf and get into sports. And I was like, I I hadn't even, it hadn't occurred to me to even think like that. So, um, no, I never planned anything that happened to me. It just, it just kept happening because I worked hard and, always put myself in a position where people
1: yeah. wanted me to do something. Yeah. Uh, that's, that is such a, a cool story. And, and I guess, uh, uh, a lesson. So the, the Canucks come calling, uh, you're sought out, uh, you, you kind of work there and then you get to work for Gary Bettman. And uh, I'm a, I'm a Bettman fan. Obviously the casual hockey fan, you know, doesn't, uh, so much care for him. Very intelligent in person. Um, Just when you go and work for the NHL the first time, Brian, um, are are you are you comfortable? Are you you kind of you know finding your way, or it was just a a nice fit?
0: Well, first off, I know Gary's not popular in in Canada, and it it breaks my heart. I mean, he came in and spoke at a dinner in Estevan to help them raise money for the new arena there. Like he loves hockey, Mm -hmm. and he is truly one of us but I've given up trying to convince people. He's not just bright. He's he's super bright. He's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And he's a great guy, great family guy, good guy to have a beer with, um, really good sense of humor. Uh, I love him. I mean, if he called me right now and said, I need you to get on a plane and get down here in New York, I'd get on the plane. Mm -hmm. And he was a joy to work for. It's like getting an MBA and going to Harvard business school, working for Gary Bettman. So, uh, but we were, it was, the league was different then, you know, like, the, the owners kind of ran the meeting, and and they don't run it now. Gary runs everything, but like they would interrupt Gary. They were just what they weren't respectful to any of us. Like I'd be in the middle of a sentence, and an owner would just cut me off. So it took Gary time. Like you know, four of our owners went to prison for God's sake. And so it took it took, and they were threatening to move and threatening to sell their team. And and Gary said, "Look, I've got to get the right labor agreement and the right television deals. We need stability." Until we get those things, we'll never have stability. So we had guys go, John Spanels went to prison, mm-hmm. uh, the Rodriguez family. And so the meetings was kind of wild west back then. Mm-hmm. But Gary was patient and just he kept producing successes and making good decisions and brought order to the room. And now, I mean, no one says a word in those meetings unless Gary asks them to.
1: You know, and it's funny, and, and the story for I guess for you and and around here the last year when the Heritage uh, Classic was here, um, we we have a big First Nations following on the pod. Obviously, Saskatchewan but First. Gary Bettman was the one that wanted, and he made sure that there was the tribal chiefs were involved in the uh, opening luncheon, and uh, you know one of my friends is a chief. It, it was just a very cool. And uh, honoring, uh, I guess, experience for those guys that, you know, the commissioner of the NHL wanted them involved. So you leave the NHL to take the GM job of the Canucks and you've probably been asked this question way too much and it drives you insane. The, you know, the thing that everyone reminds you and we had a social media questions is, is, is the Sedins and, and how that all came about. The way I want to go with this, Brian, and I want to say I heard this a couple of years ago that you almost picked one, two, three in that draft when you guys ended up with the Sedin's.
0: We tried to. Uh, Atlanta wouldn't trade the pick, so we really thought we could make a package with. We liked Patrick Stefan in that draft too, and he would—he was a good player until he got concussed. But uh, we t- we tried to go one, two, three, and Atlanta would not trade the pick. Donnie O'Dell finally told me, to "Stop asking." So we tried to go one, two, three. We thought that would be a pretty good splash.
1: And that draft just was – the draft wasn't very sexy, especially that first round. Uh, you know, Pavel Brendel, a player watching the WHL, everybody thought you know, he was destined for big things in the NHL. didn't really work out. It, just, it wasn't a, a great draft, was it?
0: It was the worst first round in the history of the league.
1: You announced the Twins uh, in the wrong order. Is that, uh, that that's true? Um, you say you know, Henrik's a, a better player, but, but Daniel went number two?
0: Yes. I, when people say I was sheer genius, I'm like, well, first off, I didn't even take him in the right sequence, so I'm not that smart. Uh, and they're both great players, both great people, but clearly, uh, clearly Hank is a, was a better player in my mind.
4: And, there was, and, and I think
0: the, pr- the proof is that Hank could play with anybody, but Danny couldn't play with anyone but Hank.
4: There was uh, a tweet a few months ago from your your daughter, Katie, who said you actually, she remembers that quite well. You missed her birthday party to, to make sure you got that deal all done.
0: Yeah, so my two older daughters are, were born on June 17th and June 19th. So Father's Day is always a big deal in our house, or it was when they were growing up, because we would go out for brunch and we have a mountain of presents, right? Their birthday gifts, my Father's Day gifts. And I would always turn the phone off when I had family time. But I said to him, look, I got something really big going here. I have to leave my phone on. So Bob Murray called me during lunch. So I went out and took the call, and that's where we actually made the deal. So he had the fourth pick, and he he had asked me for Brian McCabe at first. and, And I loved Brian McCabe. I didn't want to put him in the deal. So I was trying to talk him into taking somebody else, and he wouldn't. So finally we made the deal on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, the draft was that Friday night in Boston, so or that Saturday morning in Boston. So we made the deal on the Sunday before the draft. Now we had three and four, and then we just had to make the deal with Tampa to get one, and then trade with Atlanta to to go to two.
1: biggest Biggest gamble of your career, Brian.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is, you're getting fired. Yeah, if this doesn't work. I mean, Brian McCabe was a was a great player for us, and I loved him. I loved having him on my team. I hated trade. And and that one, yeah, if you, uh, that one goes south, you're probably unemployed. And so, hmm. and what people forget is they didn't come that first year and went back to Sweden, and they weren't really effective players the first couple of years in the league. They didn't put up real big numbers until I was logged on. Hmm. But I think if you go back and look at the media coverage on that date, there, the, the, the public wasn't sold that this was a great trade. They were like, hey, great creativity by the Canucks and by Brian Burke, but we'll see. And they didn't really turn into real impact players for a couple of years after that.
4: Was Vancouver the media in Vancouver worse than anywhere else? You were in Toronto, you're in Calgary. They seem kind of kind of ruthless in Vancouver.
0: Uh, it's a it's a weird market. The, the reason it, it, Toronto's the toughest market to work in because of the sheer number of journalists that cover the team. So you go in after after a game. If we play Montreal on a Saturday night, there'll be eighty or ninety media people in the room after the game. And in Calgary, it's twenty to thirty. Uh, Montreal's hard because you're stu- you're stupid in two languages, but Toronto's got <laughs> Toronto's the uh, Toronto's got just the, the mass. you lose, and there's 80 people picking up a rock, so it's are throwing them at me or Ronnie Wilson or Randy Carlyle or Phil Kessel or Dion Phaneuf or whomever. Mm-hmm. But in Vancouver is just a, a weird market because it's a schizo market. Most of the media coverage is, is positive; it's good. They want the team to do well but there's always been a couple of wingnuts in the market in, in Vancouver that you have to deal with. And social media makes that all worse. See, I, Social media wasn't nearly that big a deal in both of my tours in, of duty in Vancouver.
1: Mm-hmm. How scared were you in in 2000? Uh, you, you talk about it in the book. Donald Brashear is uh, motionless on the ice after that slash to the head from Marty McSorley. You know, how, how worried and how scared were you?
0: Well, whenever there's a player lying on the ice, you're nervous. And Donald Brashear is as tough a player as I ever had. If he's lying on the ice, he's hurt. But the good news was he came to pretty quickly, and the trainers were able to get word to us pretty quickly that he was going to be fine. He had a concussion, but he, he would recover just fine. So it was a brief time where we were all nervous and panicked, but the, the medical staff did a really good job of getting word to us right away that he'd be fine. So that wasn't so bad. But when you see a player lying on the ice, it's always nerve-wracking.
1: Do you believe that McSorley was was, was just trying to ta- – You know. St- Kind of give him one in the shoulder uh, to get him to go.
0: Well, Marty's told me that, and I, I think Marty's a truthful guy. I and mean, mm. he said it just it just rolled up off his shoulder pad and clipped him in the head. But so I'm, I'm never going to take sides against my own player, though. Yeah,
1: you know. And for listeners out there, if you watch, like Brashier and McSorley went a ton. There are a ton of videos of them fighting, and, and all McSorley stops and. Yeah, I, Brashear, I would say, 80% of the time had him. Another one was, you know, you, and you talk about it in the book again, Todd Bertuzzi on Steve Moore. Now, I've, I've always thought it was an unfortunate situation. We've all kind of been punched in the head. Uh, guy wants to go. He's, he's behind you, wants to fight. I know there was the Marcus Naslin injury at play before that. How how bad did you feel for Bertuzzi, and, and how did you help him get through that?
0: Well, no one likes to see an incident like that. So it was really, we played Colorado three times, and, so there's three different games. So in game one, Steve Moore hits Marcus Mads, and we thought it was a dirty hit. He wasn't suspended. We played again in Colorado, and it had an, an, an overtime game. Nothing happened. Uh, and then we played in Vancouver. And I remember the, the game in between in Colorado, I remember Gary Bettman came to the game with Colin Campbell, and he said, are we going to have any trouble here today. So we, we, we're, not a, we're not interested in getting Steve Moore. We're just not interested. And, and we, we told our players, just leave them be. We want them on the ice. And so that, that this whole thing, so Sean Ponger dressed that night for us. And um, Matt, Matt Cook fought more early in the game. And everyone, were upstairs thinking, okay, he paid his stab. We're, we're good. But the players felt that Steve Moore had jumped Cookie. Uh-huh. And that Cookie said, we're going out. As soon as they dropped the puck, we're going. And that. Steve Moore jumped him. So they're all yelling at him. You didn't pay your tab. You didn't pay your tab. So Sean Pronger gets on the ice and tries to fight him, and he won't fight. And the reason I mentioned Sean Pronger is their line was changing. Sean Pronger wasn't on Todd Bertuzzi's line. Brendan Morrison had gone off. So we're yelling at Burt. Burt, change, change. And then he's chasing him, tapping him, and you he know he's going to do something. And we're like, no, Cod, no, get off the ice, get off the ice. And then he punched him. I mean, it was really unfortunate, and it was a real hard thing for Todd to get through, and, uh, you know, it changed his career. It changed the way mm-hmm. he played after that. Yeah.
4: Now, after, after Vancouver, you end up in Anaheim, and obviously 2007, what a wagon, as the kids say. That team was Solani, Niedermeyer, Pronger, Getzlaf, Perry, both, you know, just getting started at that point. Just such a deep, tough team. Is that like the the model Brian Burke team, and is that the best team you ever assembled when you look back on your GM career?
0: Yeah, it, it was the best team, um, and, and it was it was a fun team, really good guys, really close team, but tough. And uh, I think my toughest team I ever had was in Hartford. My, my one season in Hartford, I, wow. that team was tough. That team was tough. So, uh, but no, and the, the way I like to play, I like to play. Uh, I like high skill, but I like toughness too. I like fighting. I, I like black and blue hockey.
1: Sasky players you had on that team. Uh, we are a Sasky podcast. You had Kunitz. You had Getzlaff, You had Travis Moe. Now, people around here, we like to pride ourselves, you know, being a little bit tougher and, and hockey. And when we go play, uh, we go away and play and all that. Like, do, do you see? Did you see that when you were evaluating players from Western Canada at all, Brian?
0: Well, I always, my, and I've changed a little bit, but not too much. Um, I've always wanted the blue-collar jobs on my team done by North American players. Sammy Paulson changed my thinking on that because he's the toughest sweet I ever saw in my life. But to me, I wanted Canadian and American kids like Travis Mullen. I wanted guys like him. So, yes, I, I like the Western Canadian kids. Travis Mullen was a joy. Ryan Getzlaff, what a great player he was even then, just as a kid. And then uh, who else you mentioned? Kunis. Chris Kunis. Kunis was, show you what an idiot I am. I put Chris Kunis on waivers my first year in Anaheim. And he got picked. He got picked up by Atlanta, and they put him back on waivers. And I got him back. I almost lost him. You know, like he was a key part of our team. Great kid. Yeah, three
4: Stanley
1: great Cups. Kid had
0: a great career. Three cups. Yeah,
1: um, we, we've had so many requests to have him on. I just think you know, right now, podcasts are not a thing. There's a there's a story that he played high school hockey, grade twelve, so they could go to Alaska for a trip instead of playing AAA midget. That's the story around here and then he did he you know what he just he made it work and and yeah he had a heck of a career so after anaheim uh you go to the leafs i think it's your first year with the leafs that you build the usa team that had a heck of an olympic games losing to canada and sydney's golden goal did you really like uh the olympic experience and putting that team together
0: yeah it was it was fantastic um so they had uh, we won the cup in 07 and then USA Hockey. I, I didn't have anything to do with USA Hockey for several years. I was, uh, I didn't see eye to eye with their leadership. But and so, I, and let's see. I would have been my first year in '93. I was the GM of Team USA in the World Championships in Germany. That was my first time doing something with USA Hockey, and I didn't do anything again until 2009. Mm-hmm. So there's about a I don't know what that is in years. 20 year gap or 15 year gap in there. And so um, when they asked me, we won the Cup in 07, and they came to me and they said, we want you to be GM of, the, of Team USA in the 2009 World Championships and then take the team to Vancouver. And I said, absolutely. But back then, they, the way they picked the team was the GM and the assistant GM would pick the team. And I said, we've got to get more people involved. So we, we, we formed this committee. So Dale Talon, who's a naturalized American, uh, got on Stan Bowman, Ray Shiro. And so we expanded the, uh, Dean Lombardi. So we expanded the, the pool of people that were putting the team together. And they continue to do that to this day, that same way that we started in '09. I had a meeting with Jerry Colangelo, who was the, the architect of the dream team with USA Basketball. So I, had a, I flew to Phoenix and met with him. And he got interrupted. He said, yeah, he promised me 45 minutes. They ended up giving me 15 because of some business crisis. But he gave me some great advice. And he said, make it, make it about uh, being bigger than just a hockey tournament. And so we had a real close tie with the U.S. military. We had Navy SEALs, Army Rangers come in and talk to the guys. Uh, each guy in his locker in Vancouver had a memento from a, a serviceman uh, or a woman. So we, we tied it in and made it about, you're playing hockey. Yeah, it's a hockey tournament, but you're playing for Team USA. And we made it really a patriotic thing, and, and it was a big part of the motivating the second thing he said to me is don't take the 20 best players take the right team have have role players even though it's an all-star all-star game you still need checking wingers. and so we took Timmy Gleason who was our best penalty killing defenseman we we took people who people we took Chris Drury and i remember everyone laughed at me why are you taking chris drury and i'm like cuz he's chris drury like we, we we thought why wouldn't we take him
2: why wouldn't a guy
0: he ended up being one of our most valuable guys, so we got it right. We took the you know. We, we lost to a great team, um, but we won a silver medal, and it was quite a thing. Heck
1: of a team, uh, unbelievable! I, I love USA hockey more than anybody else around here, and it was amazing what you guys did. Now, if you're if you're a GM, quickly, and you know the NHL's talking about going back to the Olympics, is that a no-brainer? Do, do you like that play?
0: Yes, I, I think there's a perception that people in Canada think that the owners want nothing to do with the Olympics, and it's a player-driven thing, and the owners reluctantly agreed to it. The fact is, it doesn't make sense to shut down for 17 days in the middle of your season. It just doesn't. And in some of our markets, it really hurts us. But there's a lot of people on the hockey side that believe we should be at the Olympics. Like, I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of owners that think we should be at the Olympics. So it wasn't quite this arm-twisting sale that everyone perceives it to be, but I think we should be at the Olympics. I think it's important.
1: So I think we have about 10 minutes here to to, to, make, the, uh, to make the time. So quickly, Toronto was it just a, was it Toronto a battle dealing with ownership and the other pieces there and it, it just was it just never really comfortable?:
0: No, I, I mean, the ownership it was owned by the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund when they hired me, and Larry Tannenbaum. and Larry Tannenbaum is just a, a wonderful human being. and I never had any problems with ownership. They were like, "What do you need? Tell us what you need?" And then Bell came in, and they wanted to make a change. The team got sold. They wanted their own GM. That's what happened in Vancouver, too. team got sold. I get huffed. That's the owner's right to have whomever they like run the team. But we just didn't win enough games here. I mean, when I got here, we had an overpaid roster with a bunch of no-trade moves or no-trade clauses. It took me longer to shovel out the stable than I thought it would. And I I probably should have made a coaching change before I did, but uh, I just didn't get the job done here. It was not – no one's fault for ownership. I mean, at my press conference – I met with the media after I got fired here. I said, look, uh, I intend to be accountable. In an age where accountability is vanishing by the day, I didn't win enough games. So even with new owners, if if you've had the team in first place, they would have kept you, right? So, um, no, I just didn't get it done. Now, the team I left did make the playoffs that year. I was disappointed I didn't get that short season because I didn't mm-hmm. led to believe I would. But uh, no, no hard feelings about anything that's happened. I, and same every place I've left
1: it. Question we had on the social media quickly the tie. And I, I've always loved it. Uh, I just feel like it's a, a middle finger to some people and how you'd wear your tie untied, basically. Quick, quickly, the story, the background story for our listeners on that, Brian.
0: Okay, so when I worked for Quinn, I would get in at 6 a.m. So when the Vancouver Canucks were open for business, when the Boston Bruins were open for business. They opened at 9 o'clock Eastern time. I was at my desk at 6 a.m. Pacific time. But I would roll out of bed and come in in jeans and a T-shirt. I left all my, my work clothes at work. So Pat would come in around 7, 7.15. I'd go in his office, and he'd lay out what he wanted me to do that day. I'd bring him up to speed on, here's where we are. We're trying to sign this player, that player. Uh, this kid we drafted got hurt. Um, you might want to call him. And then I'd go downstairs and work out. And then I'd come, I put on a suit and I'd come back up to work. So I never tied the tie, I just would leave it around my neck till I had a meeting where I had to tie it. So sometimes that'd be noon with the banker, sometimes that'd be in time for the national anthem. So I just started wearing it around my neck. It's just laziness, it wasn't a fashion statement.
4: So we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, quickly touch on what's going on, I guess, starting tonight with the exhibition games and the bubble cities with Toronto and Edmonton, and of course, this weekend, the. the unique new uh, playoff format gets fired up. I guess maybe just quickly what are your thoughts on on how this came together and how the NHL did in putting it together and then maybe how do you think it's going to go is it just anybody's cup to win this year?
0: Well, first off, I think the league deserves all kinds of praise for getting us to this point. Like mm-hmm. when we for stopped sure. this, when we paused the season, I said well, there's no way we'd be able to finish the season and I was right, we couldn't have. The league was smarter than I am. They said, well, we'll just build some runway in front of it. We don't have to give a cup out in June. So what they've done and the concept of dealing with all these health issues is is remarkable. And I can't wait for the hockey to start. I think the 2014 playoff is a good idea. I don't want expanded playoffs going forward, but for this year it's perfect. Um, I think the hockey's going to be great. Um, And I think I, I haven't changed my view that the four teams that are playing the round robins in the East and the West, those eight teams are the best eight teams. They didn't get those buy positions by accident. They got it because they're the eight best teams. And I still think the Stanley Cup's going to come out of one of those eight teams.
1: That's awesome. Okay, quickly, Seattle, do you like everything about putting a team there? And the, Seattle's got the no state tax thing. Uh, Washington, uh, you know, a team like, you know, your California days, some of the highest state income tax. Do you like Seattle? And how much is that no state income tax a big thing, you know, from the GM side?
0: Well, I think any of the states where there's no state income tax, those teams have an advantage. Yeah. Las Vegas, uh, they have a, they have a decided advantage. And when we signed a guy in Toronto, we had to pay him, mm-hmm. you know, twelve twelve to fifteen percent more than a team would in one of those states that doesn't have state income tax. Um, I think Seattle is going to be a huge success. They, they, they've done everything right. The name is cool. The building's going to be amazing when they get it done. But they're they're kind of changing the rules for all pro sports going forward. Like, it's going to be a carbon-neutral uh, building. There's going to be no single-use plastics allowed. Uh, and every building that's built from now on is going to have to meet those same standards you watch. So there, this is kind of – I remember, you know, like you're going to say, I remember what, when I heard about 9-11. I remember where I was when John, John F. Kennedy mm-hmm. got shot. Um, and you're going to remember Seattle coming in because they're going to change the way – Pro franchises operate in their marketplaces. They're gonna, they're, the public's gonna demand more accountability on the climate change side of things, and the environmental side of things. So they're doing everything right, and I think the Kraken's a cool name. My only beef was, I think it's a hard thing to do a logo for. I think they did a great logo, considering that it's a hard thing to do a logo for.
1: One of the Twitter questions we had, biggest mistake that you see at the minor hockey level right now, if you're know, if, if you kind of in touch with the minor hockey level right now?
0: Practice the game ratio. More practices. I remember talking to a, a dad. I went in to speak at the Minnesota State High School Tournament when I was working at the league. So this would be probably 95, 96. Mm-hmm. And a dad said to me, oh, my, my kid's Bantam team this year, they, they won 80 and 5. And I said, 80 and 5? 85, 85 games,
1: games.
0: <laughs> 85 games. And he said, uh, yeah. So well, how many practices did you have? And he said, I don't know. So well, you should have three practices for every game. So number one to me is practice to game ratio. Number two is I think they got to use more, the ice better, the American development model. Like I see a Bantam team out having a full ice practice. I'm like, that's just wasting ice time. You should have two teams out there. Mm-hmm. You can do a great practice in a half rink and and the small rinks that are coming up at three on three, that's all good. I think kids got to play unstructured hockey, but I also think kids should play more than one sport. Like in in Finland, they're producing all these great finished goals. You can't be a goalie. You can't commit to the goalie position in Finland. I don't think until you're 12, you got to play out. You can play some goal, but you got to play out as well. So those guys learn to skate and handle a puck. They learn the, the game of hockey better. Um, I think there's a lot of lessons that the Americans are doing some really good things with the American development model. They can get 50 kids on the ice for a practice, and they go from workstation to workstation, work on shooting, work on small area puck handling. Um, I think it's really a maximizing the use of ice, and it, it, the kids need to practice more
4: couple uh, questions from our, our Twitter feed we wanted to get to from some of our listeners. Logan asked, who was the guy you tried the hardest to acquire during your career, but were never able to land?
0: Oh, I, uh, geez. We got in really late on the on Joe Thornton discussions. We, we, uh, we tried very hard to, to get him, um, where Michael I was in Anaheim okay. and, um, Michael Connell was the GM of the Bruins, and he he's hotly disputed that. He said that that never happened. And I'm like, well, it did. So, um, but I know we were very close to getting Keith Kachuk out of Arizona or out of St. Louis one year, and we worked very hard on that deal. We couldn't make it work salary cap wise. So, there's been a lot of guys I yeah. tried hard to get. I, I tried I tried to get Dion enough for months and months and months before I finally got him.
1: Back to back to the hunting. Do you ever do you ever come to Saskatchewan? Do you ever hunt and fish here?
0: Uh, I have not. Um, I, I got invited to hunt and I do a lot of work for Ducks Unlimited Canada. I've been invited to hunt Saskatchewan a bunch of times and it's just never worked out. So I've hunted a lot in Alberta a lot in manitoba yeah. uh haven't gotten to, to saskatchewan yet but i will
1: you're welcome anytime well you know one our, you. one of our biggest sponsors for our senior hockey segment uh, uh freeze tallman i know they have a, a corporate cabin and it's a fly-in only it's like in the middle of nowhere about 10 hours from regina so yeah no it's uh, it's supposed to be something crazy so how we end these usually brian is just quick, rapid-fire questions. And, uh, man, I'm kind of excited to to do this with you. So just going to fire these at you and kind of quick one-word or couple-word answers would be great. So craziest thing you've ever hunted for and where?
0: Wild boar in Germany.
1: Favorite coach you ever got to work with?
0: Oh, toss-up, Randy Carlisle and Mark Crawford.
1: Your favorite broadcaster?
0: I work with some legends here I mean uh, I, I could listen to Jim Euston or Chris Cuthbert they're a top two play-by-play guys I could listen to them all all day all night Bob Cole I love Bob Cole Ron McClain. That that's Mike Emmerich Eddie Olchuk I mean that, there's too many good ones
1: So let's say you got an all-star team of all the players you ever had who's the one captain
0: I have been so fortunate I have had great captains I had Pat Burbeek in Hartford I had Marcus Naslin I had Mark Messier I had Chris Pronger at Scott Niedermeyer, so you could take your pick. If I had to pick one, because he won a cup for me, I would say it would have to be Scott Niedermeyer.
1: You can change one rule in the NHL, not the instigator rule. What would it be?
0: Uh, two.
1: Hmm.
0: I, I would like to. I would like the instigator rule change. Um, <laughs> as far as another one, I, I don't know. I, I think the game. I think we have some emotionless games but the game's pretty impressive the way it is
1: most underrated player you ever had
0: Uh, you guys will get better answers if you gave me these questions before I came on for God's sake (laughs) Uh, I'd say a guy that whole line Travis Mullen Sammy Paulson Robin Unemeyer, the best third line maybe in the history of the National Hockey League
1: so you mentioned the Hansons, and you played in that you know main era in the in the late seventies. You must have a favorite line from Slapshot, the movie.
0: Yeah, well, the night we won the cup, our video guy Joe Trotter, we were on the bench, and as the clock ticked down to zero, he yelled, "And the Chiefs have won the championship <laughs> of the Federal League and us all up." So, and, and another, I think my favorite—I think my favorite line is when the guy accosts Reggie Dunlop in the bar. <laughs> And Reggie just blows them off. He go, yeah, yeah, we're working on it.
1: And he's he's hammered. Yeah. Um, we had this this question on Twitter, and actually, this was one of my uh, big big questions. Is, you know, Saskatchewan guys, you used to dip. They used to show the pictures of you dipping and video of you dipping. What was your flavor?
0: Uh, skull long cut mint.
1: Oh, a mint guy. And last one, Clint McConaughey. Like I mentioned, he scouted for you. You fired him. Um, do you remember that? And did he cry?
0: He didn't cry. He's a great guy. We just made some changes. Yeah. He's a great man.
1: He he loved he loves you, man. The amount of Berkey stories that we hear on the golf course is uh, is something else. So that uh, that does it for us, Brian.
0: Okay, thanks guys. Why wouldn't big thanks
4: to Berkey, aka Mister Brian Burke, for coming on the podcast twirl eleven. I think that was awesome. Could have talked to him for two hours.
1: Probably could have. Um, there and he's so busy because what he's doing and hockey starting and he took the time and you guys heard the stories. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, Also coming up, cool, our senior soiree in a bit. We're going to talk – actually, we forgot about this. We're going to talk about the uh, senior men's baseball game the other week and some spring hockey coming up right after this. You're looking for a vasectomy? Know someone looking for a vasectomy? Why wouldn't you? GentleproceduresSaskatchewan.ca. Book it. No needle, no scalpel. I repeat, no needle, no scalpel vasectomies. Look them up online. You can see how it's done. Saskatchewan dot ca booking right now they do them out of Regina and Saskatoon so when we talk about the crazy hockey
4: parents Shink you're the only one who can kind of relate just because you're the only one with kids in hockey but Mm -hmm. what a wild story that came out like two hours ago uh we're
1: recording this on Tuesday yeah
4: Saskatchewan hockey teams attend out of province tournament under blanket of secrecy now this is wild um I don't know a lot about it I like obviously reading the article um there was a few teams that basically changed their names and the kids all had aliases and they went to Winnipeg and played in a tournament here in July under these aliases. Just completely wild. and
1: Obviously, this is right in my wheelhouse because one of the teams that went is the same age as my son. We play against them, the Wheatland Wild.
4: Not that weekend they weren't the Wheatland
1: Wild. They were going as the Lightning. Yeah, it was a great article by uh, cbc.ca. Not my cup of tea, but to each their own, whatever. So, this, yeah, the team goes to Winnipeg to play. Everyone is clearly aware we cannot take our kids to play any sport out of the province right now. The province is saying no. Everybody is very aware of that. So now they're kind of going and playing Dom saying... We didn't know. We thought that meant in province. How would that mean in province?
5: Are you staying in a bubble? Like did you in, check into the hotel?
1: You are in province. It's when you go out of province. So, it's, uh, so obviously there's a whistleblower on the team and there was a social media gag order for the team. And one of the ladies was the coaches said that we couldn't talk about it. And we couldn't post anything on social media, said a mother whose son played on the Wheatland Wild or slash Lightning. The Lightning, yeah.
4: So, why, like, they can get ice in Regina now, can't they? You
1: can't play, though. That's why, unfortunately, Todd Todd Ripplinger's team or tournament can't go. Regardless, it's July into August. We got to chalk it up to it's not happening. I, I can't, like... I love my spring hockey, just like we talked about in another episode, because the parents get together, the kids love it, it's all fun. It's spring. It's like five weeks, we're out. If I am ever this hardcore to get my kids to play hockey in July and August, hit me in the face with a shovel, please, because... You can you know what they could have done? They could have rented the Kenosi water slides for two days, just their own team and rented cabins. That's fun for everybody. The parents, if you need if you need the competition parents in your life that bad, go play for a hundred bucks a hole at the golf course. Like it's just it just I cannot believe and everybody knows that you're not allowed to leave the province to play. And then they go do it. And talk about the rosters, boss. This is unbelievable.
4: So I I uh, looked online and there's obviously a website that had stats and such from said tournament that happened in Winnipeg and uh, let me just pull this up here so looking at one particular team I'm not i don't I'm, th- I'm not sure which team it is but anyway the players were under aliases so if your name is Sean kindop playing in the tournament as gerban Gerbanskinov, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> your name in the tournament on the roster is sN kd like your first and last letter of your first and last name. It's not even like, how do you, so even, mine, how do you even pronounce that? Yeah, well, it's, l- look wow. at it. Goal scored, by <laughs> <laughs> Goal scored by MNRP, assistant dude. Uh, but this, a sh- what one, is this,
5: Shade 45?
4: <laughs> like, just We just talked to Brian Burke and said, what's the one thing about minor hockey that drives you nuts? And he said, these kids are playing way too many games. Get them out there practice. Under their own Enjoy the game and yeah, under their own names.
1: And the spring hockey thing like I've just mentioned, mentioned before it's about the parents having a good time for a couple of weekends the kids playing for a couple weekends wash your hands, they go play baseball other kids go to the lake, kids golf they do whatever you you needed to do this?
5: Again, they just want a rink
1: burger. (laughs) Give the kids a a chocolate
5: milk, a rink burger take them to the water slides, like it, it's, actually, it's actually quite ignorant.
1: Well, and it, and I think obviously whoever the whistleblower is, so the mother they, is. Do they say to their
4: kids, "You're going to go to this tournament"? You're gonna play your ass yeah. off, and you're gonna press yeah. everybody, but you can't tell anybody when we get home. This hey, is yes like, can yeah, I don't <laughs> care, MNRP. If you had 12 goals this tournament, you do not tell anybody, not even your grandparents. And you got the car salesman dad who's eh,
3: name his kid is a,
5: MSRP.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <So bad.
3: laughs>
5: that was one of your better one-liners of the podcast. The, I love the old tax it. guy, the old kid's name's RRSP. <laughs> <laughs> you got any more brain busters? <laughs> oh, you got the old government guy with the old GST. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done <laughs> That's not um, quite as good
1: Yeah, no, it's uh... or, or Wix Kid, WWAG <laughs> Why wouldn't a guy? Player profile, Monday Nooner player profile For Day Spooner, Cathedral Electric No, 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 no
4: D-E-S-R.
1: Dave Spooner, Cathedral Electric. Anything you need electrical. I know some people that were looking for a hot tub, you know, because people are spending a lot of money right now on crazy things. And, yeah, get a hot tub. You need someone to install that properly. Cathedral Electric, Dave Spooner. They can do it all. So let's go with the... Wheatland Lightning, or just the lightning feel for our prayer player profile this week. Here it is. Are you guys ready to go? K-N-E-V. B-R-O-T-Z. Forward.
4: K-N-E-V.
1: K-N-E-V. Forward. Do you want a team? I can give How you many a stats. How many tucks? How uh, many tucks? Legit tucks? Probably six.
4: Were they all greasy tappins in front of the net?
1: Yes. Gordon Bombay style? Yes. Can I go with Kellen Enslav? There it is. K-N-E-V. There's our player profile this (laughs) week on the heels of the 2011 Lightning that competed in the Winnipeg tournament. I don't want to say illegally, but... Team-wide goal scored off his shin pad
4: by number 11, (laughs) (laughs) K-N-E-V. Unassistable, that's K-N-E-V.
1: So let's talk about that senior men's baseball here right away. But first, Harvard Media is your business struggling with digital marketing. A lot of them are Google search. You need help with that. Your company is just not showing up properly. Maybe you need a website. Maybe you need that little chat icon. Whatever you need. Facebook help, social media, they can do it all. Harvard Media, building logos
4: yeah, they do it all. They built our logo. Awesome look for the Monday Nooner. Bunch of weapons over there at uh, Harvard Media. actually talked to a guy that works there today. Tris Nias, great guy. He said, every time I go to the driving range, he's got a routine, driving range, air pods in, Monday Nooner, hit a bucket of balls. He said, it's like a weekly tradition,
1: so shout out to him. That is true
4: Nooner fashion, walk to the T, pump driver five
5: times, light a stogie like Noller. And-
1: Overcooked, right? Anyway, good job, Tris. Yeah. Harvard Media, you can find them online and just look them up. They do some of the top automobile companies, some of the top auctioneering companies in North America right now, Harvard Media, great friends and sponsors. Another local the company car. too. Local, and they're all here. You're not dealing with somebody from who knows where.
4: Hey, make sure you uh, wag-ons out there. You uh, Use the Monday Nooner promo code with 22 fresh. It is awesome. Every order you put in, make sure you put in Monday Nooner, save fifteen percent with Twenty Two Fresh. They're doing so many good things. They've got masks, right? Like Saskatchewan might be going. The from kids. what I hear, insiders' phone is buzzing yeah. to mandatory masks indoors, especially
1: well, it, kids uh, going to school. They might, you know, might need to mask or the teachers. We have the promo code fifteen percent off Monday Nooner.
4: Anybody who who ordered a shirt, talk to Kip this week. Those shirts are deadly. He said they're going to be in, hopefully, by the end of this week. We're recording Tuesday night, so hopefully you'll have your tarps
1: ASAP. And remember, we're taking next week off, so yeah, you're going to have your tarps. Speaking of Mr. Kip Simon, went and took on some hardball. On Sunday evening under the lights at Curry Field here in Regina, Saskatchewan. Expecting to see him play against the Trappers with such likes of Matt Miller and Blow Colin back. I think coaches or, or does something there too. And not a bad little crowd. It was a fantastic night for baseball. The Trappers are just way better at hardball than the Capitals that night. And Matt Miller, friend of the program, made some fantastic plays. Second base or shortstop? Or where Second base. Yeah, really, really nice plays. The other team made some suspect plays. Like I almost felt that we could have probably stepped in and helped play. Their pitcher I, it obviously wasn't their their ace. He he just had, he had, he did as as good as he could uh, under the circumstances. And there was a slow pitch guy there. We the guy had a white glove. And I tried to see if he had the uh, slow pitch bag when he was leaving the S P N Coors Coors Light Nationals bag, and I couldn't. I just couldn't wait around long enough. But I'm almost positive that that guy plays slow pitch on th- Tuesdays Thursdays.
4: <laughs> Sometimes fills in on Wednesdays. I bet you a lot of those guys do play slow pitch on the side, but
1: well, not the guys with kids. But yeah, no, course. it was it was a great night for baseball at Curryfield. The other thing, the umpires in the baseball, there's only one ump. And he stands behind the pitcher. I felt like I was watching uh, baseball from Zimbabwe.
5: Well, you can get a good look at a T-ball and stick by sticking your head up a butcher's ass.
4: You say some freaking random shit, like...
5: Oh, you can't call a strike zone from the pitcher. Really.
1: I think you can. Is that
5: from
4: Tommy Boy? <laughs> yeah. Oh my
5: God. I think he called a <laughs> well, fantastic, That's a guaranteed <laughs> piece of shit.
1: And then it was like a blowout, and then the Capitals, and I'm like, well. And then the Capitals coach just decided to uh, call it Shut a night. Why well, did they, they, they shatter
5: after five if it's more than ten? How, about, or how about that? <laughs> I seen you shared on Twitter. How about the major league ump and the manager having a COVID? <laughs> yeah. Off? How good is that? You with know, the when masks? they get in each other's face. <laughs> usually,
4: <laughs> they're <laughs> spitting on each other. F you nose to nose So the manager I think of the Pittsburgh Pirate Comes out to talk to the home plate umpire As he's like full tilt yelling Reaching in his pocket to pull out his mask The umpire yeah. does the same thing Flips on the Locks mask one ear and then holds it the rest of the way But they they can only get like
5: six feet apart So it's oh, it was so funny it's One like, thing I do want to ask Since we do talk a lot of senior hockey and slow pitch guy Do you think there's some slow pitch teams That pay sticks and gas for some of those trappers Guys that are going out playing or maybe it's chew and gum. I don't know what. The- hardball, yeah, like for when if you when you call a hardball guy to come DH oh, on your slow pitch team. I think just
4: liquor, probably just Dave.
5: Yeah, they,
1: they get a, they get the same bat discount at Western Cycle. Could be
4: a little hubba and I know if my wagon and slow pitch ever brings anybody in, it's just hey, we'll feed you beers. That's about it. I think-
1: <clears throat> yeah, no, it was it was nice. I and uh, so speaking of senior baseball and senior hockey. It's time for the senior soiree. Freeze Tallman Lumber. You're basically home improvement experts on anything in southern Saskatchewan here. Regina, Jonathan Capel, they can ship all over the province. But they, there's not a freaking lumber yard. They can do it all. they got a window thing going on right now. Windows are huge. The landscaping. What what are you fixing up at your shack?
4: Ah, i got lots of projects on the go. Landlord. Doesn't run a very tight ship. There's shit that needs some fix.
1: Yeah, they they have it all locked. Hopefully the land, never mind, I'm not going <laughs> to say it. Freeze Tallman, you know where they are, in Regina, Fort Capel. Big supporters locally. If you're shopping local, when it comes to anything to do with your house, give Freeze Tallman a look because they are local, they support local, and we love them. Here is the Senior Hockey Soiree. Belts. And Mr. Shane Belter. Belter, goes it wildly, cross near side, then Peters and Belter going, here they go! Belter, wanted to get at Peters? Here's a fight going
5: on behind the plate. It is Vorostek and Belter, I believe. Vorostek and Belter, they pop their gloves and their lids off in a hurry, and there goes Vorostek down! Belter
3: belts him in the head! Don't know what to tell you, don't know what to show you, I do up by your side.
1: Don't know who to turn to. Don't know what I could do. How do I end up by your side? And I know I have never love and I'm not- Senior hockey soiree brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber Regina and Fort Capel. Of course, we're shopping local. Why are you going to the big box stores? And Freeze Tallman's got everything you need. Joining us here from Southwest Saskatchewan, kind of the neck of the woods of Sean Kindrop here. Actually, you guys are cousins. It's Shane Belter from your Hodgeville Huskies. Now, let's let's go straight into the senior thing, Belts. You you come back from playing a little bit of little bit of minor pro and, and how does it all work? You're living in Swift and someone says, Hey, do you want to come play some senior hockey for Sticks and Gas? Yeah, I'm living uh, living back in Swifty, drinking beers down at the shack with
2: Clint Bussey and Trevor The Shack. Yeah. Pussy's and,
5: actually still there doing
2: that. He's a beauty. And uh, Schmeese, everybody wanted to kill him all the time, right? He's just a little rat. But uh, So they asked me to come out there and play, and my only request was that we get Niter, Jeff Knight, to protect me out there. And uh, they brought Niter down and went out there and played. Frank Goche. those guys were out there, we had a hell of a team,
1: man. It was fun. We, uh, we crushed everybody that year. It was a blast. <laughs> Did you really have any desire to, to knowing you, because we've known each other now for probably 13 years, you're not the most passionate guy on a lot of things besides fishing. Did you have, did you have a lot of passion to really lace them up again? Zero, none. Like I didn't even really want to be there half the time to
2: be perfectly honest, but it was fun. You know, we had a good group of guys out there and it was, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was a young guy at the time when I moved back, I was single I was just out there for the good times, right? We would uh, we partied hard, and uh, and all the guys, not all the guys that I was around were, were pretty much single. So, yeah, we had some good times, but uh, yeah, my uh, my
1: passion to play the game really wasn't there anymore. So, what'd you guys? What'd you guys win? Obviously, you probably won that Nauticu League or whatever it's called, and uh, with just boots on because it's not a very strong league. And then the lineup you guys had, but what, what did you guys all win down there?
2: Yeah, we won the Nauticu. I think we went. We lost. I can't even remember. We were. A team up north, I think we up this area. We played like in I think it was maybe I want to say A or C or D. I don't even know what it was, but we uh, we lost. I think in the, somewhere
4: between A and D, somewhere between sure. A and
2: F, <laughs> we lost the. Uh, I think we lost the final that year. But uh, yeah, it was uh, that was kind of disappointing. It was actually the hockey was good when you got to that. You know,
1: got near the end there. It was good hockey, but uh, we came up against some really good teams. So in our in our episode last week, we had the biggest agitators or most hated players in senior hockey. You chimed in there on Twitter. But let's start with Schmees because you played with him, I played against him, and just a guy that you just wanted to smash in the face with a frying pan.
2: Yeah, you know, Schmeese was deadly, man. He was one of my good buddies when I moved back there, but – yeah, I mean, he was an agitator, and he couldn't have beaten his way out of a wet paper bag, so he was just a beauty, and, and I got a funny story about him, I remember we're down at the shack one night, getting all pinned up, you know, we're like, we're, we're low 20s, and uh, Mitch Love's in there, and and like, Schmies has got him so fired up, it, it's on, like, Mitch Love's gonna kill him. So I'm like, I step in there. I'm kind of, Schmise's only line of defense, right? I don't want to fight Mitch. He's playing for the Broncos at this time. She's 20, or, 20 years old. He's playing for the Broncos at this time. And fighting. And steadily. killing everybody, right? So I step in, like, hey, take it easy, blah, blah, blah. Pushes me. I give him a little shove back, and he's like, let's go. And people like, kinda, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm like stuck in the middle of this. He leans in. I just dunk her right on the chin and back head bounces off the bar of the of the stool, he's out cold. Just one punched him. Yeah, oh my lucky. God. Well, lucky, Lucky. yeah. So the next night, uh, next night, we all go back in there. And I was like, uh-oh. And he was just like, hey, man, sorry about that. And I was like, yeah, me too. Bought us a round of beers and everything was all cool. So yeah, it was good. But yeah, Schmeese, again, comes out without a scratch or anything. Typical, right? <laughs> just the typical way he rolls.
1: Hey, everybody coming over to play ping pong later. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, we we're
2: sitting in his room. I remember another story with him. We were sitting in his house one night too. And he was complaining how he wished his stairs were open. Going downstairs and boom, me and Clint Bussy just foots through right through the wall, <laughs> destroyed all the drywall, and he cut her open. And he got his he got his wish. So,
1: and then you talked about uh, on Twitter too, some guy you played in Pontex that really got under your skin.
2: Yeah, who I don't even know who that was. I
1: it, it was like a not
2: Letness or I, I can't remember. I could never. I, I tried to you know for a couple days that you've been asking me about that. Bigger, bigger gentlemen. Our pod podcast little, is your little, pud, so. little pudgy guy
1: down there in Bondex. There was a lot of them down in Bondex when I played down there. So Did guys? Uh, did you like it? Because, like, I never, obviously, wasn't in the business of taking liberties on Niter and and those guys. And I played against them, but did you find that guys you knew that you were just finishing pro and would would want to maybe challenge you a bit and fucking beak and blah blah blah.
2: That was probably the
1: one—the one thing that
2: I hated the most about it, you know. And that was one of the deadliest things. Would have a night around because he would just clean anybody's clock. It didn't matter. He was—he was an assassin. Like, he was so tough. What? So it was great having him around.
5: What about friend of the pod, Sheldon Reinhardt? You gotta have a couple Ron stories.
2: Ronnie, yeah, Ronnie was a beauty too. He was like—he was like—he was like, he was like Schmice, I'll say he was a good, good side by side comparable, but. I think Ronnie might he might actually chuck a couple punches <laughs> instead of the stick to the back of the leg which means it was all stick
1: to the back of the legs for sure. Who else did you guys have on that uh, that Hodgeville team that really Stood out. There was kind of some senior hockey weapons.
2: Well, like I mean, one of the one of the legends in that league, I think, it had to be Frank Goche. He was an old boy when I was when I was down there, and man, he just said he was silky smooth, silky smooth hands. He was just like the lady Bing out there. He was a beauty, good guy. Really enjoyed, really enjoyed being around Frank, and uh, he was a really good, really good player.
1: How many games? Uh, how many games did you miss? Maybe you know it was snowing out. It was a little oh. cold. You're in your sweats, curled yeah. up watching a fishing show. If Bob was,
2: Izumi. fishing. (laughs) If there was, if Fishing Canada was on, I was out. There was no way I was making it down there, especially if it was the walleye edition. You couldn't, you wouldn't catch me at the game. There was no way I'd make it down there. And then some days, if the fish were biting, if the perch were biting at Lake Pelche in the wintertime.
4: How many games did you go to after ice fishing like throughout the day? Is that a thing?
2: Oh, I'm sure I did many. Many, like, like, like Shink was saying, I, I don't even think I got paid in beers when I was out there. So it was, uh, if I could make it, I'd make it. If I couldn't, I couldn't. It was probably a terrible attitude, but
1: I got, I got a story and you don't, I just asked you this when you're on your way to the bathroom. Um, Scott Coral, friend of the program, Kevin Coral's brother, he was playing in Kyle and he remembers you. You don't remember him. But he said it was the hardest he's ever been... And he was another guy that Schmies, uh Reinhardt kind of cut from that cloth. You punched him so hard. You, it was the hardest punch he's ever taken in the head.
2: And you said he was playing in Kyle, so I'm That was probably in Hodgeville in uh, in playoffs is when it would have been. Provincials. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been. I, I don't remember the, uh, the incident, <laughs> but... Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, you know, you, I got, you get fed up a lot in that, in that league, right? Like so many of those guys just trying to make a name for themselves. You know, it was, like I said in my tweet, it's like, hey, bud, no scouts in the stands. It's just your mom. No one cares.
1: Big Lair, did, did he come out and watch uh, your dad? Did he come watch any senior games? I don't think Big Lair came to any senior games.
2: He was just like, you're such an idiot. You know, he was just like, what are you doing? You're going to get hurt. Which I never did actually play in senior. I don't think I ever got. Hurt. I probably faked a few injuries so I could
1: go fishing.
2: But uh, but as far as that, yeah, I don't think I ever got hurt playing.
1: Do you remember the barns? Like Hodgeville is an epic, epic barn. Do you, what what barns do you remember? Kind of rolling into and going, where the fuck am I and what's going on?
2: Pontex. I like playing in Pontex so It was a it was be- it was such a rivalry with them, right? So it was it was fun. Pontex had a few had a few tougher guys down there too that Niter would scrap all the time, so it was good. You know, I, I enjoyed Pontex. Uh Glentworth. What about Cabry? Cabry? I love Cabry. Cabry's a great part. That right. was my, that was right Character. near the right near the end of my senior career. What about console? Console. ah, uh, that was pretty far, Kenner. I probably didn't make that trip. <laughs> I was probably fishing. That was that was that was too far for this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't fit in the belter radius. No, no, it was too if I couldn't ride my bike there I wasn't going.
1: So the the, the shack and, and swift current and all that just all the boys roll back from Hodgeville and, you know, because so many guys play senior around Saskatoon or senior around Regina and you got that 45, 30 minute ride back and you you guzzle a few you hit some signs on the way in and do do you you remember all that stuff?
2: Yeah, I wrote, like I rode with uh, Clint, like I call him Cletus, but I rode with Bussy quite a bit and we would uh, he always, he he was working for some oil company all the time and he always had a brand new diesel like every other year. And probably some KFC. Oh, absolutely. We'd pile in that thing grab a few wikis, and away we go back to around the
5: entire game for sure
2: never shut it off no no it was back in the day where we thought we couldn't shut the diesels off just <laughs> sucking <hours> of sucking <laughs> <laughs> sucking it into the intakes in the rink chipped to the tits yeah, yeah away we'd go back to yeah no lots of road trips back to town back to the shack yeah
5: before we get on the booze and stories i got to bring this tweet up jordan telkey just remember not to fight Shane Belter and if you do, stay down the first time. Walk us through the story of when you were absolutely scared shitless when Nick Anderson gave you the let's go at center.
2: Yeah, like I just talked to you about it. I, I, remember, I, I remember quite a bit about this for some reason I do. And he, he bugged me the whole game. Like he was on my case all the time that whole game to fight. And the, the stay down the first, I don't really remember that part of it, but like, I remember we're at center ice and it's just one of those situations where the plays in one end I'm coming up the ice and he's kind of at center and he kind of just cornered me where I couldn't get any anywhere. And he was, you know, well he's ma- a, f- well, he's a heavy. <laughs> he was like, let's go like man up. Let's, let's give it to him. Like, let's go right now. And I was like, kid, like I am going to destroy <laughs> you. Like think this over, right? He wanted to go. So we dropped the mitts and nine night. That was it. It was just a one clocker and that was it. And, uh, and funny, I told you this part of the story, too. I'm, pl- I'm a plumber at this point in time for Swift Plumbing and Swift Current. I'm working there. So I'm going out to KB the next day. I, I pull up there, and this Nick Anderson guy, who I don't know who he is, he's working at the co-op, and I'm like, did this guy get run over by a truck last night? The guy's like, no, just your right hand. So, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> that was that part of the story.
1: So pre-senior, um, let's, go, let's go WHL whl days here you did you jump into the dub right as a 16 year old no triple a midget yeah i played uh i i I stayed up right
2: away um with the broncos graham james was coaching what age is this 16 16. yeah i started up there i remember uh i remember hometown I was a hometown boy right and i remember even starting an exhibition um we play my i think it was maybe my first shift in exhibition and i line up right we're playing lethbridge and I line up beside Brad Mahalko, who I'd played a ton of growing up against, right? We just kind of gave each other the tap, let's go, and away we went. Yeah, me and Mahalko went right away. So that kind of started everything off. And uh, then I got sent down mid-season back down to, I think maybe it was at Christmas time, actually. I got sent back down to uh, to uh, the, the midget A to get back in shape. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I was telling you guys this story. I get called into Graham James' office.
5: Starts every good story.
2: Yeah. Oh, Nobody God. wants to hear this. He shuts the door. Obviously, I'm not making light of, of what happened. I had some good friends that like a lot of horrible things happened to, But uh, but yeah, he, he called me in there and, and, and the, the dressing room is, or his room is super narrow, but really long. Like I'm going to say it's like, it's probably not this, but it's like 14 feet long and only like four feet wide. And there's a couch that runs parallel in the room. And then he's got a chair in the back. He's sitting there. He's sitting there in the tidy whities. Nothing else. Jesus. I sit down like the farthest end of the couch and he's just like, Yeah, we're sending you down, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Peace. I was out of there as fast Thank as I could.
4: Fuck. So weird. Got sent down for the rest of the year?
2: No, I think I was only down there for part of the year and then I, I came back up. And, uh,
4: your, uh, your second year was
2: Todd McClellan your coach? McClellan was our coach. Yeah. When what I was, I was he like? 17. Todd was good. Um, I mean, I was a young guy still at that time. I didn't play a whole, I didn't play a ton Um, that year. He was, uh, but he was a good coach. I mean, he was, he probably had that NHL mentality, you know, at that point in time. And I was, I was still pretty young. I was still developing quite a bit at that point in time. But, uh, you know, looking back, he, uh, you know, he was a good coach and had a lot of NHL attributes at
1: that point in time. You go from Swift to Seattle. Yeah, is, that, is that a bad move. Yeah, Swift to Seattle. and but Seattle it was-, was a re- re- really weird place to play. I heard a lot of guys, like, it's so spread out, and it's yeah. not like playing in like a Swift where you can kind of, no. the boys can get together and go yeah. sit around.
2: No, it was, you were placed all over the city, and uh, it was a big move for me. I was uh, 18 at the time when I went, and it was the first time I'd ever been away from, from home, really, and the first time I'd ever been on an airplane. Actually, at eighteen, was when I when I flew out there. So I went out there. I had great billets out there. Uh, they were they were they were super people, and so that really helped. But everyone was really spread out around the city quite a bit. So you you know there was a few guys in your area, and those are kind of the guys you'd hang out, hang around with. And uh, the weirdest part about there is, you know, we're all kids, and you'd play at this the key arena, and that's where the Supersonics played at. the Is time. that right downtown? Yeah,
4: yeah, that's where the new new rink's gonna be. I think. When
2: yeah, so like you back. you would play, and these people would be there, and they would. They're thinking you're making like three million dollars a year. And here I am, like asking if there's any like extra chicken in their basket so I could eat that <laughs> night, because I'm making a hundred dollars every two weeks. So uh so yeah, the dynamic of playing in the States at that point in time was was really different.
5: Were the fans as crazy then as they are now?
2: They were good. I think now obviously they're quite a bit, you know, more intense down there. I think the the game is really evolved down there. I think the NHL team's gonna do really well down there, but I don't think at that point in time it was uh, it was that nuts and, the, and the, the the rink was set up really weird where it was a basketball center mm-hmm. that they like yeah. slapped the rink into so the seats weren't anywhere near you. it was it was really weird.
1: The fans probably evolved nowadays back yeah. then did you you must have liked to, to to be down in the states and away from home for for obvious reasons as a junior hockey player yeah you
2: know and, and you'd go down there and you know in my point in my point in my career when i was going down there, anybody that was 16 17 18 you were going down there. everybody knew that seattle was the place and there was this place downtown you go down and they'd take your picture and give you a seattle license plate like <laughs> license so you you know you'd go back to wherever you were and you just flash your license and get in and so yeah that
1: stuff i got was good and uh
4: you and gary payton were the two most famous athletes in seattle that year
1: (laughs) yeah let's 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 talk about another guy we're gonna have on the podcast here in 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 the coming weeks or months jeremy reach and he he was really young uh and you, you you guys had some time together in seattle do you remember him
2: yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! Yeah!
1: No, Risha and uh, how he, fast can he talk? Is he fast talk? Does he talk faster <laughs> than me? miles yeah. an hour.
2: And he's a yeah, a, a good skater too. He was he was a good player. Uh, Risha was a good player. He uh, really filled in over the years when when we were down there. He became a you know he became a legit uh, power forward in the game. And uh, no, it was good. We had a young team. Marlo was on our team. He was a sixteen year old when I was down there. And uh, you know, Patty was phenomenal then. And you know still still yeah. still phenomenal now wow. so yeah he was an amazing athlete
1: you the, the, so the craziest thing is you get traded from Seattle to Lethbridge yeah christmas time Lethbridge is a is a total wagon bit of a wagon take us through getting traded there how good you were you guys added a couple of more pieces and then you play Seattle for the WHL championship yeah i uh
2: got traded there at christmas time and i remember when i get the uh I got the call. I was actually pretty excited when I got the call. I was just, I was just leaving my house. It wasn't a half an hour before I was leaving my house to drive back to Regina to hop a plane back to Seattle. I got the phone call from, uh, from you were uh, living in Regina. No, I was living in Swift oh, Current, Swift, okay. but we were driving here to catch a plane. Okay. And Russ Farwell phoned me and said, "Yeah, we've traded you to Lethbridge." And I didn't really know anything about the team at the time. I was just happy to be close to home. It was the first time, you know, in in two years where I would get to be, you know, close to my family. So just a bunch of beauties on that team right away, and uh, it was a good time. Philip was Phillips there? Or did he come no, after? No, Phil, Phillips came after. Once they they checked with me if you know if I could if he could ride my coattails, and <laughs> I said he could. You know, they needed someone to take care of him, so. <laughs> Yeah, we brought Philly in and uh and Willie and, uh, and and Rusty
1: in for uh for the run and uh and one of your best friends um Burlington. Yeah. was was kind of the captain of the team.
2: Yeah, Dale Dale was there and uh I've done a few podcasts with him and he's a real beauty. But he's just like any fighter, they're all weird, man. Like all, these, all the fighters, like, tough like guys Nick, I played like for. Like Nick from like Cabry? Like Nick, he's just a killer. From Abbey. Don't say he's from Cabri. from Abbey. Like Downey, I played with Downey, and uh, I'm kind of sidetracking. Here, but I played with Downey in Providence, and he was a uh, like, they're all killers, but they're
1: all just weird dudes. So that WHL final, the, the the coolest thing, and I didn't really even know this, like when we became buddies, that you guys, you you beat s- s- Seattle, that team that traded you in the final, and you guys rolled them. Yeah,
2: rolled them destroyed them it wasn't even
1: like how let's be honest here how much was that like a suck it moment for you yeah
2: i mean it was uh obviously right but hey there there, i had no really ill will there i mean they were they were making a move at that time i had i had gotten hurt my 18 year old year and when i'd come back they put me on forward actually i never played forward. i couldn't skate like why would you put me in forward, right? So they put me in forward. I think I scored like my first game at, on the on the front end, and did
1: you throw the glove up? Yeah, yeah shot great. it. Yeah,
2: so, so I you know I was you know it was the writing was maybe on the wall then and you're you know putting up the forward. So it was uh, no ill will. Don Knockbar was our coach time, great guy. Uh, I still talk to Don on Twitter and stuff a little bit, and uh, he was a super guy. And so no, it was. But just, just winning it, going to the cup was was a really cool experience. We had a good group What, was, guys.
4: what was the Memorial Cup? Where was your Memorial Cup? Oh. It was in Hull. Hull that year.
1: Talk about the, the comeback game. Was that like the yeah. semifinal? No, it was, no, a semi-final no, it was still the round robin. How, or how you had to go in. This is something to look up on YouTube. Yeah, it's I can't crazy. remember
2: how it worked, but I think we were down, and do won't quote me on this, I think we were down 5-1. 5-1 or 6-1. Going into the third. First shift of the third, I get three apples just what? by being on the ice. Like, I don't even really do anything. We had, I think it was Willis. They put out their Willis, Richie, and Brigley, and these guys got three Genos in, like, literally two minutes. I don't come off the ice.
1: You're, then, you're in those videos, and it's
2: like, belter. Yeah. And- <laughs> so then we we end up tying this thing up. I remember this, and you'll see it. If you ever watched, if anybody ever Googles it and you watch the video, Josephson scores in overtime, and he's, like, running on his skates with his hands pumping. And I come out of nowhere and just steamroll them. Like, I probably concussed them. I hit them so hard. (laughs) I just run them over, jump on them. The problem with that game was is it really dried us up. Like, it was such an emotional game to come back from. And then we ended up losing the next game, I believe, to Oshawa. 2-1. And then we had, so then we had to play. If we'd have won, we'd have went to the final. But we lost them. We had to play them in the semi. So we played them in the semi. And then we beat them in overtime in the semi. And then yeah, we played Hall in the final and uh, just got dusted. Yeah, we didn't play super great. Um Rusty Rusty had a tough
1: game in that. He let in a couple soft goals and it was It's the yeah, greatest a- comeback in like Memorial Cup history yeah. is you guys you know, being down six or seven one going into the third.
4: Chris Phillips you know, saw he was the, the top defenseman that year in the <laughs>
2: Memorial Cup. I think I was probably the top defenseman. He <laughs> rolled my coattails. I I've made that clear. Is <laughs> he few your partner times. or what? Yeah. Yeah, he's been part. Great story about Philly, and and this was on TSN at time too. I remember. I didn't think this was actually the final game. I remember. I'm coming in. The puck gets dumped in. I'm coming into the back corner into my, and again, I can't skate. I'm so bad. I'm so slow. So I'm coming into the corner, and I'm like, and all I hear is Philly. You got lots of time belts, lots of time. So I'm like. Get back there, and grab the puck. Turn around. Boom! I get it's a yard sale my gloves, helmet, like I get ran over. And I'm laying on the ice like don't even know where I am and all I hear the corner of my in my ear. Well, not that much time, Philip says to me. Like it's literally a millisecond I turn around. Boom, not that much time. But no, Philly was a beauty, great guy. Uh, you know, he had a he had a, obviously a fantastic career and uh
1: quickly your pro career, you're kind of a Bruins uh property of the Bruins. And you play a AHL, and just injuries catch up with you?
2: No, I played the American League. Um, you know, when I got in the American League, I I, I really had to earn my way there. I was uh, I was not I was destined for the coast for my whole career, and uh, I came in in really good shape my second year. I was really determined to make the team, and I and I just I played great. You, you know, and Bussy, uh,
1: you and Bussy worked out. Me and
2: Bussy, yeah, me and Bussy, me and Cl- me and did squats that summer and Bow uh, curls. Yeah. But I came, no, I came in a good shape. Peter Laviolette was the coach at the time. That's cool. And he told me, he says, you know, you, you know, halfway through camp, keep playing this way. And, you know, we played and I, we went to, uh, he had told just about everybody. And you, when you got the call there in the A, they'd give you the call and they'd say to you, get an apartment. Then you knew you are on the squad, right? Get an apartment. So I was literally, I hadn't been told. Everyone had been told except for me. And we fly into the rock for the opening night, St. John's. And, uh, I think I got a goal in an apple or something like that. On that weekend, I had a great weekend flew back. We landed. It was, you know, early in the morning. It was just gross. And I, we get off the bus and he calls me over and he's like, get an apartment so that yeah, was a really cool time all the boys are pretty pumped and uh yeah so we got an apartment played there that
1: year and it was uh, did it you was like great. did you like providence did you guys gallivant into boston at all or if we patriot games or anything crazy because you're no, right there no we never never
2: really did it's uh it's busy i mean it's pro hockey you're busy you got your own schedule and stuff and uh no we never never really gallivanted too far i remember uh john graham was our goalie at the time and we had a little bit of a break and i don't know how many days off we'd had and He was gone. Like, the moment the game was over, he was gone. Ripped out there, hopped into a plane, flew to Vegas, rock started up for three days, flew back, chucked the pads back on, like, nothing happened. (laughs) Dude was a beauty. (laughs) Yeah, John Graham.
1: That's like the... Straight up Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Yeah. So, how long do you think you would have lasted, even even WHL, in this day and age with social media? How long would your career last?
2: Well, my career wouldn't have lasted at all because I couldn't skate. Like I couldn't even, I wouldn't even be able to keep up. I'd been in the penalty box the whole time for hooking or holding, and I wouldn't even have made it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, never. It would have been. There's so many bad things that happens back in the day that I should have been in jail probably, but I
1: survived. Now I got, now I got kids of my own. That I wag my finger at. But so. yeah, so your you kids play hockey, and you you don't coach because you just you just everything about it just seems to just irk It <laughs> just yeah. annoys you yeah. that you, you watch these crazy parents and you, and you watch everything and you're just sitting back going what what's going on
2: it, it might change a bit now my my little guy's 5 he's a Samuel and he's a uh, he's a hockey freak he just loves the game and so I, I we had him in three four five last year and he loved it. So we're gonna put him in three four five and initiation. My daughter my daughter played for uh, for Chad Rich. I know I don't know if he's been on this show yet or not. But not, uh, not yet. But we should get get Chad on there. See how his three four five coaching has been going. <laughs> but but Reisch was a good he was a good coach for the kids and and that year was pretty fun. But uh, so many parents just think their kids are gonna make the show like instantly right and uh, everybody has that hope for their for their children. But. I just uh yeah, at this at this point in time I just can't bring myself to coaching. Last last question when's Too busy the, fishing. Too busy fishing.
1: <laughs> last question. When's the last time your your dad wore the Swift Current Broncos jacket? Big
2: lair. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's had that on for a while. Like I give him I give him all my old coats. You know, I gave him one of my I gave him my old camloops blazer coat. And I think he like took everything <laughs> off it, but he still wears it around. Like he's like, I'm not gonna rep the the blazers, but I like the leather. <laughs> Right. So he still rocks it every once in a while. So, uh, uh, hey, yeah. you
4: were going to go back. You almost had a point a game in Kamloops. Yeah. I 50, did. Great. 57 games, 56 points as a D man. Yeah. Place. When I
2: got, when I got traded, uh, Mark Habshad was coaching there. Mark was from Pelshe like Belsha And when Habby traded for me, I basically told him to pound sand. Like when I got traded from Lethbridge, I was leaving. I was heading home. I was going to go, uh, I was going to go to U of S. I was going to go to school. And, uh, Habby convinced me to come out there. He said, give it a try. We went out there. And, uh, my first uh, first game was in Spokane. I think I had two goals and an apple. I was I'll try this. I'll stay for another game. Then I think I got like another two genos, and I was like, I'll stay. So I stayed and played, and it was yeah. I I went on a tear. I got a hat trick in Kelowna like a few weeks later, and so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun being a 20 year old in that league <laughs> at, at that point in time.
5: But as much as we chirped to Fission, though, and say that you were fishing, fishing brought you some solid hardware though.
2: Yeah, I've done pretty well fishing over the years. Uh, it's a it's a competitive sport that a lot of guys that I know are now involved in, and uh, yeah, I've won won some money and I uh, won uh, an Angler of the Year award in two thousand nine, which are. I mean, why well, like wouldn't an angler yeah <laughs> you know it, it, it's been fun yeah i've won a lot of money i do a lot of promotional stuff for uh different companies warrior boats i'll give them a quick plug hey
4: we're looking for some sponsorships in the
5: fishing uh at least, yeah. they, at least they could do is send you a new hat <laughs> jesus
2: hey you know what they did send me a new hat it, they got sent it to one of our pro staffers in calgary and he hasn't brought it to me so i'm just gonna
1: keep the old one on what's your favorite fishing uh, story from mexico
2: so I went down to Mexico with a bunch of guys. Barney was Barney was with us, and uh, who else was all with us at that time? Curtis Tran. Yeah, we went on this boat, and they called it the Tres Amores. So we're putzing out of the, the dock there, and he says, okay, guys, hold on, I'm going to pin her. Well, he pins it. You hear the motor rev up, and we don't speed up. Somebody says to the guy, "We didn't get any speed." The guy says, "It's because I only got one blade on the prop." <laughs> we get out there to the fishing spot, and he says, "Okay, it's time turn around." We went back. We drank all his booze. Off.
1: fish we caught was literally six inches. <laughs> no one caught anything. Angler of the year, though. <laughs> but then they cha- then they chased us out because we all paid two hundred bucks to yeah. go on this bullshit ride with, with a box lunch, and then they chased us, chased us out of the marina. They wanted a tip. They were going to kill us, I swear to God. We like ran logo. so fast into our resort <laughs> yeah. complex. It
2: was scary, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the one blade. Yeah, the trays Amore. <laughs> yeah, we made up songs about that. <laughs> so.
1: Right on, Belts. Thanks for coming by, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys.
4: Well, in the words of the Watchers Winterhawks head coach, Shane is a bit of a wag on. Nice to have him on the podcast.
1: Part of the weapon, I thought. And he's your cousin. So yeah, The only
4: guy I know that's ever named a boat like, after himself. Like, you're from Swift Current. I think most people there are related cousins, whatever. Like, are you first cousins? Are you second cousins twice well, removed? I'm going to back the fuck up for a second. Me and Belts, I don't know where we are in the
5: family tree of cousins, but my wife and I are not related as she is from Swift Current. So I did beat the odds and find one that's
4: not a cousin. So But you and Belts.
5: Yeah, me and Belts are for, cousins.
4: First cousins twice I don't removed? Know. Like that. you should know, he's, he's my first cousin, it. I think, or
5: something like that. But In regardless,
4: Swift, it doesn't matter. Just
5: he's always, he's always looked up to me, and it's yeah. Yeah, I'm just proud that he made it.
1: So we love our sponsors so much. Thanks, everyone. Try that new heart seltzer from GW639 on a Tuesday evening. Sun setting, 28 degrees. Here are your official Monday Nooner: band, Fran Moran and the Nervous Rex. With a little something's missing here.
3: I just want to be there by your side I just want to know you I don't want to snow you